Now, hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Endless Spar Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Keith Russell. This is the Mental Health Show, where I chat to anyone and everyone with a story to tell, as well as getting advice from experts in their chosen field. So on today's show, we're going to be discussing ADHD. This is a topic that's kind of been quite close to my heart for a while, and it's a topic I've wanted to cover for a while. So I'm delighted to say that we are joined by CEO of ADHD Ireland, Ken Kilbride. So Ken, thanks very much for coming on the show for chat. I appreciate you giving up your time today. No problem, Keith. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. So you might be aware, and I'm sure the listeners are aware, that I covered autism a couple of weeks ago. And I was delighted to say that I had the lovely Stephanie Preisner on the podcast, and she gave a great insight into kind of what living with autism is and information and all that type of stuff. And it was fascinating. So what I wanted to do is kind of take, I, w- I wanted to cover ADHD as well. Now, I know they're not the same, but uh, like they do usually get brought up in the same conversation exactly and I, I i will be speaking to someone in the coming weeks with or what it's like to live with adhd but so today kind of what i wanted to talk to you ken about was kind of what exactly adhd is and you know what adhd ireland do and support and all that type of stuff so maybe maybe if we'll start with a clean slate and if you want to explain to um to the listeners what exactly is adhd So ADHD, well, it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And so, again, let's get away straight into, you know, the stigma game. And, you know, nobody we know particularly likes the name. Uh, You know, it has in deficit and disorder in it. Mm. Um, And it's been very medicalized um, in terms of a term. But what we do know is that people with ADHD um, have different neural pathways. And so there's a deficiency of noradrenaline and there's a deficiency of dopamine. Um, there's been enough work done around MRI scanners and ECGs um, to show these neural pathways. So basically what you do is you put something in an MRI scanner, put an ECG cap on them, show them a particular stimulus, see what part of their brain lights up, um, and then do someone who doesn't have the condition and see what part of their brain lights up. And you can see there's different neural pathways. So ADHD is estimated to affect 5% of children, which is 1 in 20. And just very typical as an example of that, you know, when we talk about one in 20, the average class size in Ireland is uh, sort of 25 and 30 in primary school. And so there's always going to be one child in every class in Ireland today. And the estimated rates for adults is about 3%. And so what we mean by that is that, you know, that ADHD is a condition that you're born with it, you'll die with it, it'll affect you across your lifespan. So where did that 2% go? And so what happens there is that, you know, Adults as, and adolescents and adults, as they go through life and uh, learn to manage the condition and they put in strategies and tips and uh, little um, things for themselves that work on a daily basis. So they no longer meet what's called the clinical criteria, uh, which means, you know, if they went to the, you know, your psychiatrist, they would assess you and they say, no, you don't have ADHD, but they still have it as a condition in that they're living with it every day and they're managing it every day. And so we would say it's in Ireland, you know, 5% of children, 5% of adults. And basing it on the last survey, uh, that gives you 170,000 people. So again, there's, you know, you can feel Crow Park two, three times with all the people in Ireland who have ADHD. Wow. Okay. Um, That's a lot, isn't it? Jesus. Um, So you say like people are 
managing it, but they might not necessarily meet medical criteria. Hmm. Why would they not meet the criteria if, like, I suppose, do they, like, a person might feel that they're still living with hmm. the actual symptoms, but what criteria are they not meeting? I presume it'd be different for everybody, obviously. Oh, it is different for everybody. And, and this mm. goes back, you know, you, you and you're talking to Stephanie Prizer about awesome that um, mm. ADHD itself will also exist on a spectrum. You know, and the spectrum is mild, moderate or severe. Right. Um, and again, diagnosis is made what's on basic called a clinical observation. And um, so within that, you know, um, you can't, you know, open someone up with ADHD and point to the brain and go, so there's ADHD. Um, you can't do that with depression and anxiety and other things like that as well. But we know it exists as a condition. And um, so basically what they do to assess it is it's based, as I say, on clinical observation. So um, what they have to do is show that ADHD, for adults in particular, um, exists in two out of three environments. And um, so, again, those environments are usually you know, maybe at work and um, at home and with the clinician. And um, so when, again, you get assessed over these three areas. Um, and then obviously they add up all the scores at the end. If you get a particular score, you get the diagnosis of ADHD. But as you learn to manage some of the elements of the ADHD, and what you find is people particularly are good at managing uh, the hyperactivity and the impulsivity that goes with the condition. And um, so when they're doing the boxes, they don't get those ones ticked. And um, so they're no longer meeting, as I say, the clinical criteria. But you're absolutely right. And um, it's hard work every day putting in those hints, strips and strategies so you no longer meet the criteria. That's why we would say, you know, um, it is shown that, you know, you're born with ADHD, it'll affect you across your lifespan, you'll die with ADHD. Okay. Um, so we would say 5% of children, 5% of adults. So again, what would be some examples of maybe kind of things that a person might be doing every day to manage the condition? So in talking about ADHD, it's useful in terms of describing it to look at the behaviours. So there's three main behaviours associated with conditions. So that's inattention. Um, hyperactivity and impulsivity. And so just to go a little bit in terms of the attention deficit part. And so that's one of the misnomers that goes with the title. That's one reason people don't like it. So what you find is with people with ADHD, it's not a lack of focus. People with ADHD can focus as well as anyone else. It's just the inability to retain attention is the problem. So what you find is with someone with ADHD, when they walk into a room, and um, instead of focusing on one thing, they're focusing on everything. So what you find is the people who say with ADHD, they have a Ferrari brain. And um, so they're noticing everything. So the, it's the inability, as I say, uh, to retain attention rather than the ability to focus itself. Um, and we've been all saying in ADHD that it's the A, not the H, that causes the difficulty across the lifespan. So when you look at the other two behaviors, and one is around the hyperactivity, which is on the go, um, driven by a motor, and uh, moving all the time. And you'll find that the hyperactivity is both um, impulsive in their brain um, and physically as well. Um, and then there's the uh, executive function, which goes across a lot of the neurodevelopmental conditions, uh, dyspraxia, um, ADHD, uh, autism, and dys uh, dyslexia. Um, so that's like the regulation in the brain. So people with ADHD have very poor regulation. And um, so again, a thought comes in, there's no one there to regulate it. They just go and say it. Same goes for emotions, thoughts, and actions. So what you find is that people, as they get older, uh, learn to manage their symptoms. And what they primarily learn to manage is the hyperactivity. So what you find is that, you know, that um, people with ADHD, um, not alone do they have the gym membership, they have the rowing machine at home. Um, they don't do marathons, they do ultramarathons. So they're finding ways to use up that excess energy. And um, so they no longer meet the clinical criteria for hyperactivity because they're finding ways to burn it off. You know, if, if you can take the example, you know, a child in school sits still all day. 
that doesn't work for a kid child with ADHD. But adults have found ways, you know, that I can go for a walk, I can go for a run, jump in the swim, and I have the rowing machine at home. Um, and then again, they learn to manage the impulsivity as well. Uh, but as I say, what they do find difficult across the lifespan is managing the attention deficit. I mean, it must be physically and mentally exhausting for someone with it. I mean, would they actually crash or would they just keep going and going? I mean, I'm assuming like most people, you're going to crash at some stage. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, when I, I, I just use example in terms of executive function. Um, you know, we're here in Dublin, Ireland. And um, so, again, you know, I often use the analogy of, you know, I regard you know, executive function the same as the air traffic controllers in Dublin Airport. And so, you know, the air traffic controller there is saying, you know, um, I want you to land. I want you to go around the back. You taxi around the front. Uh, you can take off. So there's someone there managing the process and regulating everything. With someone with ADHD, they don't have that. So again, as the thought comes into their head, they say it. Um, as they think of the action, they go do it. As they get the emotion, they feel it. And so again, then what happens with people with ADHD is because they know they have attention deficit side of it, if they don't say it, it the thought will be gone. So I have to say it now. And so they need to get all these things done. And so again, it's managing it and learning how to manage it is the big thing. Um, and once they can get that, and obviously just we can talk maybe about medication later, but um, medication does help, you know, my research will show that medication helps a lot um, in managing the symptoms go with ADHD. So again, because of the brain's working like that all the time, and um, indeed people find it very difficult. And um, again, going back to the analogy I would use in terms of Dublin Airport and the air traffic controller, you know, what I'd always say to people, take 10 seconds, close your eyes, Imagine what Dublin Airport would be like if the air traffic controller didn't come in today. You get this feeling in your head of chaos. You know, the planes are going, well, am I landing? Am I taking off? Who's going around the back? What's happening? That's what it's like in the brain of someone with ADHD all the time. So it's a very, very tiring condition. And as I say, people with ADHD know they have something going on in their brain. Uh, and they have this, you know, thing that if I don't say it, I don't say it now. And so again, there's a lot of um, mental hyperactivity and physical hyperactivity and so again there is a you know we have these conversations at our support groups on a regular basis and um, you know how do you manage things like that so you don't crash um, and again crashing would be something that people with ADHD do ADHD people do and then the other difficulty you have is that you know um, because of that you know sleep is a problem because uh, you know you, your brain is hyperactive you're, you're, you're still physically hyperactive and um, but still no you know you have to get up at the same time as everyone else in the morning to go to work and um, so again a good sleep hygiene is one of the best things that an adult can do with adhd uh, to manage their symptoms so again managing the hyperactivity good sleep routines things like that work very well would they find it difficult getting to sleep or would they find it difficult staying asleep or probably both maybe I usually know the difficulty is, you know, getting to sleep. Okay. Um, and again, there is some research, um, now it's reason to be new, um, that the melatonin release is later in people with ADHD compared to the general population. Right. Um, so what you find is because of that hyperactivity, um, you know, the, the melatonin gets released about two hours before you sleep. So just say you go sleep at midnight, you know, melatonin starts getting released and um, just say 10 o'clock at night. And um, you get tired, go to bed, fall asleep. Uh, because of the hyperactivity ADHD, it doesn't get re released till midnight. And um, so then again, you've got hyperactivity and um, you then fall asleep at two o'clock, but you still need to get up at seven o'clock like everyone else. Yeah, you're exhausted the next um, day. So, yeah, so you're, you're bunched for the next day already yeah, before you yeah. even started. Yeah. And I presume that's like, like the anxiety will start building as well. I mean, will mm -hmm. they suffer badly with anxiety? Well, again, in terms of the research, 
Um, you know, we, we have shown in, in terms of the research that um, adults with ADHD um, will over index for um, conditions like anxiety, uh, conditions like depression. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we mentioned earlier that there's 170,000 adults in Ireland with the condition. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know how many of those are diagnosed. We estimate maybe 10%. So you're looking at maybe 150,000 adults in Ireland today that don't have the diagnosis. And so again, that's a challenge for them all. So again, we did did some research very recently in the in the last couple of weeks, and it was funded by the National Office of Suicide Prevention. And we did it in uh, conjunction with UCD, which is the largest uh, university here in Ireland, um, and the HSE, which is the Health Provider Service from the government. And in that, you know, we published the results, and you know, they were fairly stark and shocking. In that, it showed that you know, for adults with ADHD. Uh, 20% had attempted to commit suicide in their previous lives, um, 10, 50% had self-harmed, and 10% considered suicide as an option going forward. So we know that ADHD, you know, when it's untreated and unmanaged, can have a serious uh, mental health difficulties across the per- person's lifespan. Yeah, they are, they are shocking. I was just trying to think of words shocking. Is, yeah, that's exactly, mm. yeah, that's exactly it. Um, would adults go more undiagnosed than children? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, in comparison to um, you know, the child service, there's something called CAMS, which is the Child and Adolescent yeah. Mental yeah. Health Service with, with the HSE. Yeah. Um, again, just working on those 5% figures again, and that'll give you about 60,000 children in Ireland. So again, you know, ask the same question yourself. How many children in Ireland are diagnosed? Um, so we don't know. Um, and yeah. so I would have got on the phone, you know, phone people in the HSE, academics, those type of people. Um, and the estimates we get is 20 to 50 percent. So yeah. of the 60,000 children in Ireland with ADHD, now not all of them need to be assessed, treated and managed, to be honest. But of those 60,000, 20 to 30,000 are getting an assessment and treatment. But more than likely, 30 to 40,000 aren't. The situation, as you say, is worse for adults. Because, you know, when people, you know, my age, to be honest, when, when we grew up, you were the class clown, the class joker, you didn't get a diagnosis, you didn't get treated. And so there's much lower rates for adults. Um, and again, there isn't, a, there's a, a beginning of a service for adults in the HSE. And um, so there's clinics here in Ireland in Sligo, um, Limerick, and there's one in Southside in Dublin. There's plans for clinics around the country by the end of the year. The, the plan is by the end of the year when those new clinics open up, that there will be what we call 50% coverage, which means you know 50% of the adults in Ireland, if they need to go uh, to, to get treated, there will be a service there through the HSE, uh, which leaves at the moment you know 50% won't have a service. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, okay, it's better. When I when I started five years five years ago, there was nothing. Yeah. And um, so yeah. there is an improvement, but you know, as you mm. say, a lot done, more to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I was speaking to Stephanie on the podcast a few weeks ago, she was mentioning, because we were having a chat about kind of um, like services and getting diagnosed and stuff like that. And obviously she said that when she went for her autism assessment, they test for ADHD and autism. Um, so before, before I, just, I, I move on slightly, are you able to just explain the differences between the two of them? Um, it gets actually, um, no, uh, this goes into more of the, the, the medical uh, perspective okay. in terms of, you know, okay. um, and there is a debate around this. Um, and again, if you look at some research coming out from the UK, um, that there is this thought, and I find it an interesting idea, um, that autism and ADHD are different ends of the same spectrum. Okay. Um, 
so again, there is that big convergence. And we know from figures that, you know, um, approximately 30 to 40 percent of people with autism will also have ADHD um, and 30 to 40 percent of people with ADHD will also have autism. So there's a huge overlap between the two conditions. Um, but again, you know, I've asked tons of clinicians this question. When you're assessing and diagnosing someone for either ADHD or autism um, and it's close, you know, what's going to be the lead condition? Is it the autumn? Is it the ADHD? Yeah. What criteria do they use? Everyone has gone, we don't have a criteria. There isn't that defining line to figure out which is the one or the other condition. And okay. um, so there is that challenge there. Now, again, mm. from our perspective, an ADHD perspective, and um, that is quite major. Because um, in terms of the, your treatment going forward, um, in terms of um, autism, there's no specific treatment for autism in terms of medication. There is one for ADHD. So okay. if you have ADHD, but you get the diagnosis of autism, you don't get the right treatment. And so right. not having that defined line right. is a okay. challenge. Um, yeah. There, there isn't no one's drawn that line yet and said this is how you draw the line right okay okay well as soon as you mentioned uh, medication let's just have a quick chat on that so you read you said there's only one type of medication is that what you said for oh, no, 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 there, there is no there's a uh, there, there isn't generally medication that will treat autism oh sorry adhd yeah yeah there is a medication that will treat um adhd okay. and so again it's what called the dopamine uptake receptors um, yeah. so basically there's, there's two types of medication and um, there's what's called stimulant and non-stimulant. They, they're both trying to do the same thing. We mentioned at the very start there that the uh, causes behind ADHD um, are deficiency of noradrenaline and dopamine. And so what the medication basically does is that, you know, when the message is going across the brain uh, through the synapses, uh, the dopamine leaks out. So the message doesn't get across. So the brain then says, oh, we lost that message. Find me something else. That gives you the tension deficit part. So what the medication does is it basically plugs the gaps and, and stops the dopamine falling out. So the message gets across. And so again, they both the medications here, the stimulant and non-stimulant, are basically stopping the dopamine from falling out between the synapses. Now, again, in terms of medication, and you know, you, for, forgive me, I, I do need to preface this always when I say it, I'm not a doctor. Um, but research shows uh, that medication works in about 80% of cases. Excellent. Um, I was going to ask about now, that, yeah. But the, the thing on that is, you know, that's 80%. That means one in five doesn't, you know, which is a large percentage of the population that it's yeah. not going to work for. Um, and, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm also not a psychologist either. And, you know, a psychologist may well say to you, you know, in terms of ADHD as a condition, uh, pills don't build skills. And, you know, we were talking about those behaviors there earlier. And so, again, the best outcomes with ADHD are generally delivered by what's called a multimodal treatment which is a combination of medication with the behavioral management, the OT, the speech language, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And so again, not saying it's the gold standard, but we would always, you know, when people phone up every year and, you know, and say, look, I'm looking to get a diagnosis. And they're generally looking to find a psychiatrist and get the medication, but we'll always say you need to look at the other side as well in terms of the behavioral management as well. So, you know, things like CBT work for very well for people with ADHD. OT is great. A good OT for a person with ADHD is worth their weight in gold, to be honest. And so it's, again, it's getting all the package together. And, you know, when we talk to people, you know, forgive me, I do use the, the bunny years, and, you know, getting assessment, getting the right treatment um, is really, really important. And the, the right treatment is usually a combination of medication and behavioral management and whatever is involved in that. 
Okay, okay, brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it makes complete sense. Um, so is, is, is the pathway for treatment the same for kids and adults? Because obviously I've been, I've been told by a few people that obviously to get um, diagnosed or to get treatment or assessment when you're an adult, there is no public pathway. It's private only, but there is for kids. Are you able to kind of give just a bit of an overview yeah. on that? Well, it is much the same. It's a, it's a slightly parallel system, if you want to okay. call it that. Okay. And so, again, the starting point generally is you go to your GP, and whether you're a parent or you know a, an adult with ADHD. And usually what they'll first do then is refer you to your local community mental health services if you're an adult, um, or to CAMS if you're a child. Now, as I say, there's 72, 73 CAMS around the country. And so, again, there is a service there for children. As an adult, and we mentioned there earlier that, you know, there is currently clinics in um, Southside and Dublin, uh, Limerick and Sligo. At the moment, there isn't clinics or specialised clinics, if you want to call it that, for ADHD. And we do find, you know, within those various areas around the country that sometimes, you know, the clinician says, look, um, I know something about ADHD. I've treated people before and um, I'll do the assessment and prescribe the medication. You've no guarantee when you walk in the door if you're going to meet someone like that or not. And um, again, there's one CHO, I'm not going to mention them here today, where, you know, uh, they won't do ADHD diagnosis. We don't have the clinicians. We don't have the expertise. Bye bye. Thank you very much for calling. And um, so, again, there is that improvement. As I say, you know, there's those three clinics. There's another um, three clinics, hopefully, to come online before the end of the year. As I say, we'll have 50% coverage in the country through the HSE at that point. And um, so, again, we'll get about 3,000 calls this year, every year from adults and looking to get a diagnosis for ADHD. We'll obviously explain to them, you know, where do you live? What's the situation where you are? Um, you're going to have a challenge probably going to the HSE. You know, and then they say, how do I get it done privately? Well, again, we've a list of clinicians on our website on ADHDisland.ie. Now, the problem you face with there is, um, we've a list of psychologists and psychiatrists. We've only got three psychiatrists on the list. Because of that, the man there at the minute all of those psychiatrists are literally at a situation where they're no longer taking new clients because they're overloaded and overwhelmed with what they have. You know, if you get on the waiting list, it's going to be a year from now. So you have a situation in Ireland where we talked about a situation, you know, where 20% of adults with a condition of attempted suicide in their previous life, 50% self-harm, and there's lots of uh, coexisting mental health difficulties, and 10% are considering suicide going forward. You can't get treatment through the HSE or even a private practice. And we're a first world country. It's that so frustrating, isn't it? I can even see yeah. in, in I can see I can hear it in your tone, your voice, and I can see it in your mannerisms how frustrating it is, even just saying those words. Mm. Um okay, yeah, that's it's hard to process that really. It is, isn't it? Um yeah. okay, look, before we move on to yourselves, right? I just want to ask one more question. What would you suggest the kind of process would be to support someone? with ADHD so if you're a partner or if you're a parent um do you have any kind of advice that you could kind of advise people to maybe you know just to kind of assist the part their partner if they have ADHD or their child or whatever yeah well th there's two answers to that there's the micro answer and the micro uh the micro answer so in looking at the the macro situation mm. and you know ADHD as a condition you know has a bad reputation or a bad brand image if you want to call it that in that you know a lot of people still see it as the naughty child syndrome and um, it's not a real condition or it's caused by bad parenting or it's an invention of the pharmaceutical society to sell more meds 
Now we know what I say with all in terms of the uh, imaging work around it and that, you know, it's now a real condition. But the difficulty because of that is that, you know, it's a deficit, it's a disorder. And people with ADHD tend to have lower self-esteem and there's a lot of stigma going with the condition. So there's a the stigma around mental health commissions, you know, as you will know through your podcast, and there's a double stigma with having ADHD. And so again, that feeds into the figures I was talking there earlier around the mental health challenges that goes with the condition. And so again, if we could do one thing um, to solve and help things for people with ADHD, it would be to remove the stigma around the condition. And if we remove that, well then, you know, schools that start providing services without having to be, you know, uh, challenged to do so. Uh, the HSE would have additional services there for, you know, the 5% of the population that requires it. And um, employers would be happy to say, look, oh, you have ADHD, come on board, we have a job for you. So removing the stigma would be the big thing that if we could do, we do in the morning. And, um, you know, I've often said, you know, if someone gave us 10 million euros, if anybody wants to give 10 million euros, we're open to it. Um, but, you know, if someone gave me that 10 million, what would I do? I'd run an anti-stigma campaign for ADHD. Okay, assuming nobody's, hopefully somebody's listening to the podcast, go, that's great, Ken, you know, I'll send you a check in the morning. But taking that's not going to happen, you know. Uh, what are you going to do as a parent, you know, listening and say, I have a child, you know, 10 years old, and um, how am I going to help them? And um, obviously the first thing we would say is, you know, use what's called a strengths-based approach. And um, so what we mean by that is, you know, people with neurodevelopment or neurodivergent conditions uh, tend to have what's called a spiky profile. So they're usually particularly good at some things. They'll have lots of strengths in one particular area. So as we were saying with ADHD, you know, Ferrari brain. So what you find is people with ADHD tend to be very creative. Uh, the brain's working very, very fast, going through lots of solutions, coming up with lots of ideas. Uh, people with ADHD are good at multitasking because the brain's working so fast in three or four different things. They're good at that. And uh, because of the impulsivity, people with ADHD uh, tend to be willing to take a risk. And because of the hyperactivity, they've lots of energy, you know, they can do things um, and they can have something called resilience and hyperfocus. So, again, there's a lot of strength that goes with the condition. And um, again, people with ADHD, you know, wear their hearts on their sleeves and um, really great to be fun around life and soul of the party. And um, so, again, it's working to what they're good at, uh, playing to their strengths um, and, you know, supporting them in anything, any supports that they need. And um, just as a general point in terms of, around, you know, if you're a parent of a child with ADHD, we'd always say you need to become the scaffolding in their lives. And so what we mean by that is, you know, you wrap yourselves around them. So, you know, if you take example, you know, when you're getting out in the morning, you know, there's probably 20 things you need to do to get out the door. And so having the thing, you know, like having the, you know, the uniform ready. So it's on the end of the bed. They're not going looking for getting distracted. And, you know, having the lunch ready in the bag. And if it's Tuesday, having the PE gear ready. So you become the scaffolding in the structure. So when you're putting in a strength-based approach and you're putting in that structure and scaffolding, um, but that's probably as much as you're going to be able to do um, to start off with. There's lots of other hints and tips and we could go into in greater detail, but um, they come second. Okay, okay. And if, you, if it was your partner, obviously you're not going to have their uniform and their, and their lunch in their bag. Mm. Well, may, well, maybe you will. Yeah, but maybe it, you will. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Could, yeah. the relationship you're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but say you're not doing that. What else would you do? Uh, well, obviously just in terms of things, you know, I mean, if they're doing, you know, uh, uh, a particular um, exercise regime around their uh, hyperactivity. Well, you know, if they're going for a run, you know, join them in the run, great. And uh, in terms of, you know, uh, the uh, attention deficit, as we say, that's the one that causes difficulty across the lifespan. So again, you know, as a partner to an adult, you're putting in the structure. 
So, you know, this came up as a support group a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this is, you know, gives an illustration of the type of challenges that adults will face. And, um, you know, so one person was saying they have this coat. The keys go in this pocket, the wallet goes in that pocket, the phone goes in that pocket. That never, ever changes. Never changes. Keys go there, wallet goes there, uh, mobile phone goes there. The problem is they always wear the same coat, even when it's 26 degrees out. And you go, that's a great solution in the middle of winter. It doesn't work very well in the middle of summer. But the, they have to, this is the jacket they wear, you know, this is like, you know, you see this particularly with people with autism, you know, they're wearing the same because it's a familiarity thing um, and everything is, you know, the same stuff. And you get that lap over between the two, but, you know, keys here, wallet there, phone there. That's great until it's, you know, the, the sun's beating out the skies and you're wearing a, you know, this will let a coat. And so again, it's finding things that work for the person um, and helping with those type of solutions. And so providing that structure, as I say, you know, uh, putting in that, you know, um, structure. So, you know, if, if we're having dinner um, and it's the, the ADHD person time to cook, well then um, as the person providing the structure, make sure that all the ingredients are on the table. Um, otherwise, you know, they'll, they'll forget, you know, we forgot the celery, they'll go look for the celery in the fridge and end up, you know, upstairs doing something else. Okay. And so it's putting okay. in that type of structure that helps. Okay, so structure is massive for them mm. in pretty much anything, really. Yes. Yeah. So if you're going out somewhere, you might have their, their keys ready for them or grab their coat for them. Because if, if you don't, you're, what you're saying, they could be off just doing something else. Oh, something and else. Just, yeah. 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 Okay, brilliant. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Well, let's have a chat just about yourselves, Ken, ADHD Ireland, obviously, because um, I've heard loads of loads and loads and loads of brilliant things about yourselves. But if anyone is a little unfamiliar with what you do, um, do you want to just kind of give people a little overview of yourselves and the support you give and all that type of stuff? Yeah. Um, so we're a charity and um, we would have been founded in 1980. And um, so what happened then was, you know, some parents came together because there was no support at that time for their children whatsoever. And, you know, the basic view was that if we don't do it, nothing's going to happen. And so they would have ran on a volunteer basis for about 35 years. And so six, seven years ago, we started getting funding through the HSE. And so we've now gone up to sort of from, uh, you know, one staff up to five staff. Our, our mission is actually quite simple. Our mission in life is to make life better for people affected by ADHD. And so again, you know, in terms of my role and other people, you know, we look at initiatives and go, will this make their lives better or won't it? If it does, we do it. If it don't, we won't. And so again, we've started running what we would call psychosocial supports. You know, uh, the HSE and other people will do the medical side. And so we will provide support groups, particularly for adults. And so, for instance, you know, we run an adult support group online at the minute um, every two weeks. And it's on Tuesday nights. And again, we get about 50 adults coming along to that. And what we do is we break them into maybe three or four breakout rooms. We'll have a facilitator in each of them. And we usually have a topic. Um, and again, we'd have a chat about that. Then we all come back to the big room at the end. It's a little bit more of a free fall about, you know, uh, you can talk about anything. Uh, it's a huge support for adults. Um, and again, I don't let anybody comes back and tells me different. I keep on calling it the largest um, adult support group in the world. Um, so again, nobody's come back to contradict me on that. So until they do, I, I'm claiming that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also do other things, you know, uh, we also run support groups for women because ADHD expresses itself differently in women than it does in men. And so we've a specific ADHD group for women. Um, and because, you know, age groups are different, we will have a support group for 18 to 24 year olds. Um, years ago, sorry, not years ago, uh, pre-COVID, I should say, uh, we were certainly running a lot of socials because, uh, you know, people with ADHD did not necessarily know someone else with the condition. 
um, and you know sharing those life experiences were val invaluable and um, so again we started doing that we've done a few online and uh, we've done comedy nights quizzes those type of things and um, big film nights you know we, we'll get back hopefully as i say in the next couple of months to doing those face to face and um, so again we would see ourselves not not exactly building the tribe uh, but when people come in they feel welcomed um, and you know that they they get a good experience and they go home feeling yeah that was worth my time and you know and i feel better about myself now than when i came in yeah yeah i've heard some great things about the support groups how can people register for those um support groups well again if you go to adhdisland.ie and if you have a look at our website at the top right hand corner and um, you'll see a tab called event so you click on that and find the one that you want you do need to register just so we can send you out the zoom link and um, for that um, and then we will get that out in your more than welcome to drop in anytime at all. We say we do webinars and um, mm. public awarenesses, awareness talks. Um, you know, I did six this week. Um, so again, yeah. it is certainly getting out there. It is certainly changing. Um, the Irish Times did a whole page on ADHD this week. Um, you know, in, in the previous couple of weeks, we've had a couple of celebrities uh, come out and say they had ADHD. You know, there's Brianna Parker, um, uh, Barry Keoghan, um, Jack Septicai from YouTube. So, you know, that didn't happen five years ago. And um, so it is changing. We haven't got there yet, but um, give us another five years. We'll be, we'll be fine. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, about the, you know, the conversation about ADHD, but like you've actually just answered it there. So like, it's obviously, you're not there yet, but you're getting there. And I suppose as long as you're going in the right direction, I suppose it's all you can ask for at the moment. But yeah, it could always be more. Well, again, apart from someone listening who has a spare 10 million to spare, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen as we're talking about the 10 million, people, yeah. you can donate on your website, can you? You can, yeah. Just button up the top saying donate. Just press that. Put in any amount that you like. Yeah. From one euro to 10 million. Okay, okay. Brilliant. Um, all right. So is there anything else that you want to mention before we go, Karen? Because I think we've covered a huge amount of topics there today. Yeah, just on, a very quick one. This is just a, a short one. Um, yeah. We obviously we have a logo for ADHD Ireland, and you know we uh, we, we uh, put up a new logo in two thousand and nineteen, um, and the logo was you know a little nice picture. But down the bottom it said support, education, and awareness. In the last couple of weeks, we've actually changed it to support, education, and acceptance. We think we've right. moved on from a point where we want to get away from awareness of the condition, which just knowing about it, to getting to a point where people are accepting it, uh, either as parents, children, and adults you know, employers, schools, and the health service, that people will accept people with ADHD as a neurodivergence um, and see it as part of the normal expression of the human genome um, and treat people accordingly. So um, what we're fighting now is not awareness, but acceptance. Yeah, that makes total sense, actually. Yeah, yeah, hmm. brilliant. Um, and it's ADHDireland.ie, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Yeah, and you do want to give your socials a bit of a plug before we go? Oh, and again, there's tons of those. Uh, you know, we're, we're big on Facebook. Uh, we think we're up to 11,000 on that now. Oh, so, wow. okay. Uh, Facebook slash com slash ADHD Ireland. Um, same for Twitter. We're on Instagram um, and LinkedIn and YouTube. And YouTube. We haven't got, quite got the TikTok yet. We're working on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually gave um, TikTok a go. I'm not sure if I'm completely sold on it yet, but sure. Look. No, not to say we just haven't got there yet. You just haven't got there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Right, maybe we'll uh, we we'll leave it there because, like I said, we've covered a huge amount of topics today. And again, I want to thank you very much for coming on and giving up your time today. My pleasure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, because like it's a topic I've wanted to cover for a while now, so I'm delighted that we got that side of it done. And as I said, hopefully next week I'm going to be doing uh, kind of part two of this with someone who's actually living with ADHD. So we'll get kind of we'll get kind of a, a lived experience side of it as well. 
Um, okay, right, guys, we will wrap that up. And again, I want to thank Ken very much for coming on today. I really appreciate that. And I will be back very soon with another episode of the Endless Spark podcast. Bye for now.